stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing your, the word of God the Father across the lands. And then we will glorify. You're the word of God the Father. Oh, 
Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other, lift us to the joy divine. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world, they resound with God's own heart. announcements here. Man, you guys made time. You've gone through two songs plus prayer and through another set of two songs. Man, they, we'll, we'll have to blame the deacons for that deacons meeting going a little long there, huh? Yeah, it's my fault. I know, I know. Um, so as far as announcements go, let's go ahead and be sure and remember to be volunteering for the upcoming trunk or treat. We need to have those decorated trunks and I, I am still looking. Did anybody notice, Kurt, maybe you could take a quick glance out there and see if anybody signed up to be a parking lot attendant. I need two parking lot attendants for trunk or treat. Um, and I know that this morning I talked quite a bit about it, but it really is super important that we have proper control of traffic out here. We usually have about 300 children who will come through uh, Trunk or Treat. That's a lot of cars, and they're coming in on uh, out of Route 7, all of that. So there are two, still two blank spots there looking for some folks. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know what to do, uh, you can talk to Harmon and Kurt. They can give you instruction. Uh, Kurt kind of oversees the getting folks in and keeping it up. Harmon's going to oversee people going on and off of the hay wagon for the hay ride. Um, but they both have worked the traffic out here for a number of years. So if you would like some instruction, you're interested in helping with that, talk to those guys. 
And like I said this morning, we've even got the really sharp looking, you will look absolutely official with the reflective uh, vests too. So we'll give you a uniform if you'll volunteer to help out with that parking lot directing out there. Other than that, uh, Thanksgiving dinner is also coming up quickly. That came up in our deacons meeting. We always do an all church family Thanksgiving dinner and be sure and sign up on that list out there. There's a place to sign up what you're going to bring and how many in your family are going to come. And we just want to make sure that's all in order. So sign up. That would be wonderful. I think we're going to turn it right back over to John's got one more song and then an offering. Let's all stand and we'll lift up our voices as we sing Wonderful, Merciful Savior. Wonderful, Merciful Savior, Precious Redeemer and your Bibles with me, I'd like you to turn with me to 2 John in your New Testament. And tonight we're going to do a bit of an overview, a, a Bible study right through the whole book. Book is not long, it's only 13 verses. And um, so we're going to go down through it. And my goal tonight in us doing that is for us to better grasp the book as a whole. Um, the other day I was meeting with some folks and and we were just kind of going over a little bit of their spiritual battle in their personal life and how they really kind of wanted to jumpstart their Christian walk, had kind of kind of slacked off a little bit, and they were wanting to reconnect, feeling a little disjointed in their Christian walk. And as I talked to them, I told them, well, you know what? Sometimes it's really great to go back to the basics. Go back, read the, read the Gospel of John, read about God's love for you. And then when you go to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, it kind of expands into God's love for the church and the work of the church. 
so I challenged them to do that and to read some other books of the Bible that would just help renew their vision for their Christian walk. Well, one of the things about 2 John that is really interesting is really the, church, the book is written to the church. It starts off by saying, the elder unto the elect lady. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit to understand that it's a broader view than to an individual lady. And for us as the church, and the church is the bride of Christ, uh, Jesus died for the church. And you and I are that working arm of God on earth in, the, in what we do to minister, to evangelize, to do the service of God around the world. The local church is, uh, is that bride that should be representing and honoring Jesus. So when we come to the second epistle of John, and we come to that very first verse where it says, the elder, elder unto the elect lady and her children, Many people believe, and it's even connected to the last part of the, ver of the chapter is also, when you look at verse 13, the children of thy, uh, thy elect sister greet thee. It's believed these two verses indicate that he's really writing, referencing churches. He's saying, I'm writing to the bride of Christ from a church, from the bride of Christ, the elect lady. Uh, and her children, and that is us. So this book is really written for us. And I'm going to take you down through the book in pieces. Verses 1 down through 4 are really the introductory remarks. Verses 5 down through 11 are the body of information, the body of the epistle, the letter. And then verses 12 and 13 are really conclusion concluding remarks, comments, as the letter is inspired by God. So let's ask his blessing on the text. And let's tonight, as we go down through here and look at this, let's draw from it the truth that we need as the local church. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd be with us as we look into your holy word, that you would give us clarity of mind and very open hearts for an epistle that is written unto your people. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to embrace these truths, make them a part of our practical Christian walk. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So as, we, as I mentioned to you, verses 1 down through 4, are the, it's the introduction to this very short epistle. So I'm going to read these four verses to you, and then we're going to go back and look at them. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that know the truth. For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received the commandment from the Father. So when we look at that very beginning part there, where it says the elder. So the elder John is writing this letter. And I want you to note it's not saying that he is an elder. He is the elder. And many Bible scholars believe it's because John is the last living apostle at this point. And he is addressing to them as the elder. 
the elder living apostle, as he writes this letter under the inspiration of God, from a church to a church, from him to fellow believers. And he starts off the elder. He doesn't have to expand, uh, expand and expound on who that elder is. We see that from the context, and they knew that. And he's telling them, I'm writing you as the elder, the last of this apostolic line. And he writes unto the elect lady. It's an interesting turn of phrase when he says the elect lady. To be elect is to be chosen out of all others. So he's referencing the church, the born again, the saved. Many believe that he is writing as a representation of all the ministries that are in existence at that time. And he's writing to that elect lady. Those who are chosen from this world, for God so loved the whole world, all these people. He has called those that would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They are the elect. All those who would by faith humble themselves, turn from their sins, receive Christ into their hearts and their lives. That's God's plan of salvation. He said, whosoever will, if any of you will go ahead and receive Christ as your savior, I choose you out of all this world. I choose those who will accept my plan of salvation. So he says, the elder, John, writing to who? Those who are elect, that elect lady. And I mentioned to you how that the church is the bride of Christ. And many believe that he's writing to that church and her children, as it refers to in that very first part of verse 1. So his introduction introduces us to who's penning the letter under the inspiration of God and who's he's addressing. He is addressing us. He says, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. So now when we see the word truth like that, if we're not careful, we begin to think in great abstracts. Truth. Uh, even as the question was posed uh, many times by philosophers, what is truth? But he's talking about not in the abstract. He's talking in a finer point. Because he's going to draw it in for us. Look at what he goes on to say concerning this. Whom I love in the truth, not only I, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. And immediately that should connect you in your mind to the 14th chapter in the Gospel of John, where Jesus Christ makes it so clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So we find John penning this letter. He's referencing the churches as the elect lady and her children. And he's saying, I love you. Why do I love you? Because of the truth that is in you. In the truth that will abide with you, not just for your lifetime, but forever, because Jesus is that truth. So he's making that link, that connection for every one of us in this room. The reason that we are people of faith is because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on the cross for us. We love him because he first loved us. And so John makes it clear to us 
that this bond we have and this bond he has is a bond based uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come down to verse 3 in this introduction section, he gives to us the three attributes of God. Listen to what he says. He says, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. So he tells us, God manifests himself to us. How? By his grace, by his mercy, and by his peace. He desires to give to us that peace in our soul through salvation. He desires to show to us that mercy for, because he is a merciful God. And he desires to walk with us in grace because he knows that in and of ourselves we are frail and weak. But in him, we can do all things by, by his grace as he enables us. So as he writes to the church, as he writes to us, we understand that this is the God of grace, mercy, and peace. From that God, the Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. And then he ends that verse there, and he says, and how do we get it? In truth and in love. In truth and in love. God so loves us that he desires to show these things to us. He desires to give us grace, mercy, and peace. He loves us enough to die on the cross for us. He, he loves us enough to abide in us as the Holy Spirit and to walk with us. So he tells us all these things that he is giving to the church are given to us through the truth and through the love of God. As I mentioned to you, when I was sitting and talking to these folks, I told them it's good to get back to the basics sometimes. And you look at that gospel of John that just drives home the love of God. And then you come to second John here. And again, it's just going to hit on and hit on and hit on the love of God at work. And it is interesting that he references truth yet again. Truth is referenced four times in just these 13 verses. He's just going to drive home the point that you and I, we possess the truth of God. I was talking to a young couple here the other day and I, I invited them to come to church and said, listen, come, come visit church. Come and, you know, you just live a little ways from here. Come and visit church. And they both looked at me and they said, well, really, you know, we go to the kingdom hall. And I thought, oh. These guys have gotten pulled into the Jehovah's Witness movement, which is so far off of simple Christian doctrine. They need the truth about who Jesus is, who God the Father is, about heaven, about hell. They need the simple truth. And so John here, all the way back at the beginning of Christendom, he's driving home the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God that is given to us through truth and love. Powerful sources for all these things. He comes down into verse 4, and here he shares with us Christian joy. Listen to what he says. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in what? Truth. As we have received a commandment from the Father. So he is moved. 
He says, I rejoice greatly that I have found of the children of this elect lady. And many people believe that he's talking about the church, the, the people who have been saved and they've been baptized and they've been discipled and they're maturing and growing and they're walking in God because of the work of the bride of Christ. And he says, I rejoice in this. And you and I should find great joy. Every time we see somebody get baptized, we should be celebrating because this is another person who has gone ahead and received Christ into their heart and they're wanting to tell the whole world. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody say to me, oh, pastor, I'm really a shy person. Can I just come up like on a weekday and maybe you could just baptize me in the tank and, and it'd just be you and I. And I tell them, you know what? We can't do that because baptism is a public expression of an inward faith. You're telling the world, I've accepted Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. I have died to the old man and become a new person in Christ. I, to do it in here with just me and them, that's not telling the whole world, is it? It needs to be a public profession of our faith. And here, he's talking to us about rejoicing. He says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in the truth as we have received a, com a, a commandment from the Father. You and I rejoice. We rejoice with John, the elder. We rejoice with the Christians throughout the ages. We rejoice going all the way back to Jesus. We rejoice with, with every soul that comes to know Jesus Christ. That's our introduction, verses one down through four. As he touches on uh, who, who he is and who he's writing to, this emphasis of truth and the attributes of God and the Christian joy that he is having because of these saints that have come to salvation. I told you that as we come to verses 5 through 11, we really find the body of his letter, his epistle to this elect lady. So he starts off here in verses 5 and 6, and he talks to us about love and obedience. Listen to what he says. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. You remember I told you this, these, these folks I was meeting with, I told them sometimes it's just to get good to get back to the basics of God loves us and we love God. It's a relationship. It's not punching our card. It's not fulfilling our duty. It's having a relationship with God because he loves us and we love him. And so he reminds us that from the very beginning, he says, I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment. This is not a new truth. It's an Old Testament principle to love the Lord God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. Christ was quoting out of the Old Testament. It's not a new commandment. He's saying, listen, we need to go ahead and be people who love God and love one another. He says that it's not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. 
you and I, the children of the bride of Christ, the elect lady, the church, you and I, we've been ministered to, cared for, watched over. We've been prayed for all through the work of your local church. We are the children of that work. And we should love one another. It should be that you pray for one, of the, one another. Yvonne's daughter, Leanne, struggling right now with lots of health issues. She's having some kind of seizures. They're trying to nail down what's going on. She's having stomach issues. She had another seizure today. Okay. And so we should be praying for Yvonne. Even though her daughter's grown, I mean, she's in her 30s? She's 44. 44, wow. See, I remember when she was a kid, so it's hard for me to understand she's 44 years old. But even though she's 44, she will always be Yvonne's baby. Isn't it the truth, mom and dad? And because we love Yvonne, we should pray for her, pray for her, pray for her babies who are not babies. And it's the same thing throughout our congregation. We should care one for another. We should love one another. This is not a new commandment, he says. This is something that has always been and should always be. So he moves down as we look at five and six. He says, and now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. So he drives home the point. He says, listen. We should be in tune with the commandments, the instructions, the teachings of our God. We should know the word of God. We should be walking in the word of God. These aren't new truths. I mean, for you and I, we're living in the year 2023. Some of us have been Christians since we were kids. We know. We know what's right. Lots of you, our problem is not that we don't know what's right. We have a hard time doing what's right. Um, this morning I was talking to a little girl was sitting beside uh, a lady and they looked a little out of sorts. And I said, hey, is everything okay? And the lady sitting there, she said, well, this one here is having a hard time obeying. And the little girl looked up at me and she said, well, sometimes I have a hard time hearing. And I thought, I know where this is going. And I think she has the same problem we all have. Sometimes it's just hard to hear. Sandra Joe's accused me more than once of having some kind of a switch and, you know, like a selective hearing switch. But if we're not careful, that's the truth with us with God, isn't it? We know what's right. We know what we should do. But sometimes we just stop listening. And he is telling them, he's saying, listen, we need to love one another. This love is a love of obedience to God's commandments. And we should be walking in this love. If we love our Lord and we love our God, it should be genuine and real in our Christian daily walk. He comes down to verses 7 through 9 and he touches on false doctrine. It's so interesting to us when you go into the Bible that you're holding and you understand that this was written in the first century. 
So we have early Christians writing about doctrinal error. And the apostles are still alive. So when we step back and we say to ourselves, how's this happened? It has always happened. Because people want to hear what they want to hear. People want to do what they want to do. People want to believe what they want to believe. Instead of just submitting and yielding. So he's going to address that. Listen to what he says to the elect lady here uh, concerning false doctrine. He says, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver, an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. And I think that's so important for us to catch. Because we live in a time when people say doctrine doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe. Well, that's not at all what the elder is saying here. That's not at all what God is inspiring to, to pen here. He says to them, listen, if you don't understand the doctrine of Jesus Christ, if you don't understand who he is, he says, you're not of the Father. You're, you're not a child of God. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So he's trying to get them to stop as an early, early believer and do a double take. Who am I listening to? Who am I learning from? What am I believing? He says, you need to make sure that what you're hearing, what you're embracing, what you're believing is truth. And he says, especially when it comes to the doctrine of Christ. If you don't have your doctrine of Christ right, then you could be so deceived you don't even have God. So the doctrine of Christ is very simple. Jesus Christ, God, left heaven above, born of a virgin, so that he could live, suffer, die, shed his blood for the sins of humankind, he himself being the sinless lamb of God. He died on the cross, buried in the tomb, rose again in three days, and he lives and today intercedes for us in heaven. It's not a complicated thing, but it is for sure something we have to believe. He says, if you don't believe it, if the doctrine of Christ is not right, then you don't have God. And people don't like to hear that. They say, well, yeah, but there's got to be more than one way. Can't we all take different paths and we're all going to reach God? Well, and that's, that's a wonderful principle, but it's not what God tells us. And we're not God. I can't make the rules. Now, I might be able to go ahead and make the rules about some simple things in life, but I can't make the rules about eternity. Maybe I can make the rules at my house about taking your shoes off at the door. Sandra Joe might let me make that rule. You know, or, 
Or maybe out at my, my barn, you know, I can go ahead and say, well, the rule is my tractor goes in this stall. That's the rule. Well, I might be able to do that. But nobody has given me the authority to say, no, 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 God. That's, that's not a valid avenue to heaven. Let's go ahead and instead have it this way and this way and this way. And we'll all get there. God says that's not true. If you don't have the doctrine of Jesus Christ right, and there's lots of groups that have veered far off to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, he says it does matter. Even in the earliest church writings, he's saying there's a problem. There are deceivers entered into the world. And it's not hard for us to understand why. Who gets the victory? when he deceives people about Christ, Satan. That constant war against the souls of humanity and the war against God, if he can deceive one soul, he has won one victory. And so here, all the way back at the writing of 2 John, he's warning us of deceivers. And he's saying, make sure you understand who Jesus Christ is. As he comes down here, we'll move down into verses 10 and 11. He says, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So if somebody comes knocking at your door and says, I want to do a Bible study with you. I want to show you that Jesus Christ is not God, but he's just another man. Then you need to say, I'm sorry, I'm not interested because I know Jesus Christ is God who died on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna let you in to do a Bible study. And then maybe an hour comes by and somebody else knocks on the door. I wanna come in and I wanna do a Bible study with you and I wanna show you that you someday can be a God, just as God is. But you're at the lowest level, and you need to reach and attain until you are a God as he is God. You need to say, no, thank you. Why, Why would we do that? Isn't that inhospitable? Well, I don't know. Let, let's read it again. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine of Jesus Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is what? A partaker of his evil deeds. So for us to say to those who teach contradictory doctrine of Jesus Christ, God bless you. He's saying, you're participating in this. You're participating in this wrong doctrine that robs people of eternal life. So the body of his letter is that he's wanting to drive home our love for one another and our obedience to God. A warning about this error concerning Jesus Christ and the need for us to stand strong and true. And then he comes down in verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. 
If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. He wants us to understand in this connection to error, sometimes there's a false charity. Because he's telling us we need to love one another. And so people will come and say to us, well, I'm a Christian too. I don't believe in Jesus like you do. I don't believe in heaven like you do. I don't believe in God like you do. But aren't we all, shouldn't we all love one another? And God says right here, no, that's a little bit of false charity. That's a little bit of false love. I was reading the, uh, reading the news about our area last night. Sandra Joe had pulled some news up and I went and I looked for, for some news. And you know, there's been a whole rash of, of car break-ins, cars, cars stolen, people breaking into people's houses and garages and stealing stuff. I read the one lady on Front Porch Forum, she said one o'clock in the morning, she heard something, she got up. There were three cars out there and they're trying to steal her car. So now, but can't we all just get along? Can't we just go out there and say, come on in, let me get you the keys. Don't break the window. You know, can't we, they're just people like us. God says to us, listen, when people are doing you harm, when there's somebody who's deceiving you about your spiritual walk, your eternal security, he says, don't show false charity. They're not doing this because they love you. They're doing this because they have been deceived by the deceiver and the deceiver wants to deceive you. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it. It's very important for us as Christians to understand our faith. And that's what John is penning as God inspires him to put down these words. We need to understand what we believe and why we believe it. He comes down to verses 12 and 13. It's the concluding two verses of the epistle, the letter being written to the elect lady. He says, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But I trust to come unto you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. There's a couple things in here that for you and I should be very encouraging. And that is, first of all, he references the written letters. We hold within our hand the written letters. He says to them, having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. He's, he's saying, I've written you a, a little epistle, a little letter, but I have so much more that I'd like to write to you. But we have what we have, don't we? And that's something to be excited about. The, the book you hold in your hand is the very word of God inspired by God. And so John tells them, he says, I have so much to share with you, but I'm not going to write it all down. He says, but I do trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. He reminds us that when the church comes face to face, there's great joy in that. 
We live stream our services and there are folks live streaming right now. And I'm glad we have the technology to do that and I love everyone who live streams. But there's nothing compared to being face to face. Coming together face to face, as John says, brings great joy. This morning we did Donut Sunday. And I know I kidded around for a couple weeks leading up to it. And I asked you, why? Why are we doing Donut Sunday? And the simple answer is because we can. Because we can come together and fellowship and have a donut. Isn't that wonderful? Because a year and a half ago, two years ago, man alive, we were scared to death to share a donut with each other. Praise the Lord, we could come together, have a donut, have a little apple cider, sip a cocoa, visit one with another. It's great! Listen, John and I did a lot of services in this room with me by myself, him over there, and maybe somebody running the sound booth. Oh, maybe John running the sound booth. It just wasn't the same. And he's saying to them, he's saying, you know what, I've got a lot I need to write you. And that was their social media of the day. But he says, man, I'm looking forward to when we can just come face to face. He says, that is going to give me great joy. There's real value in coming to the house of God and fellowshipping with the children of God. And then he concludes that the last thing he says is in verse 13. He says, the children of thy elect sister greet thee. We must never forget we're not the only church in the world. We're not the only people doing it. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. There are people who love Jesus, who have accepted him in their hearts and their souls. They are born again just like we are. They love the Bible. They would love to sit down and have a donut with you. All around the world. So he writes and he tells them, I write unto the elect lady. And I'm writing from your elect sister. Church to church, brothers and sisters in Christ, working together for the cause of Christ. Tomorrow, I am supposed to go meet with a guy up in Island Pond. Uh, the church up there that you and I, we are, as our church, we've invested so much time and so much money in trying to keep that church going. And now it's down to just, I think, just a couple people. And so I'm supposed to meet with one of the remaining people up there. And we have to make a hard decision. Do we continue to invest money to keep it afloat? With one or two people who are not, they're not attending on Sunday mornings. I have one pastor friend who's going on Sunday nights and he, he's got a small group and but he told me, he said, Pastor, honestly, I can't maintain this building plus my other church. He said, I'm happy to meet with them in the living room of somebody's house. He said, and besides the few people that are left there, it's not the building that's the church, it's the people. And so tomorrow I've got to go and I've got to meet with this guy and find out, okay, what's going on with this building and with the few people? Do you want us to help you to go through another winter? Or should we help you 
bring this thing to a close. What can we do to help you? Why do we care? We care because it's a sister church. We care because she's been our sister church for decades. We've done everything we can to help. And our, our heart hurts for that sister. Tomorrow I'll go meet with this guy and we'll go through the files and I'll find they've let the insurance lapse on the building. I need to find out what's happened. What is not paid? What's still going on? What can we do? We're going to go through all that. And then next Sunday night, a week from tonight, I'm supposed to meet with all the remaining members there. They're going to try to find out who is left. They don't even know who, who's left. Going to try to meet with them and make a decision. Okay, what, what do you want to do? Are you going to get serious about this church? You're not coming? Other churches are paying your bills? What do we do? Why do we care? Because it's our sister church. We want to find out if they care. We got to find out how much, what can we do next? You and I, we are the bride of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. We want to honor our Lord. We do that here. We try to make a difference around the world through 40 plus missions projects around the world. We try to help the churches in our state uh, because that, you know, the Bible teaches us to not only take care of our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, all those different places we should be at work. And we are. But even like John, all the way back then in the first century, we have to be aware, we have to be purposeful, and we have to do the work of God. And that's what he's challenging them in 2 in John. Thank you for coming out tonight. Let's have a word of prayer and we will be dismissed. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day you gave us. A great day of fellowship. A great day of worship. A great day of celebration with baptisms both in the morning and the evening. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the way that you work in our church. Help us to honor you. As we go out into our community, help us to understand who we are, what we believe, why we believe it, that we might share it with our neighbors and our friends. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.